never say die! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is 40 Going On 14, as the intro said. Uh, welcome to show number 158. I am Patrick. I'm, I'm, I'm Scott the Pool Boy. <laughs> I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, or L. Josh Reno, if you're not into that whole brevity thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. That's yeah, I figured. Favorites. I knew that one was just for you, Pat. Yeah, uh, I use that all the time. Um, as you may have noticed, Mike is not here. Uh, this is the third week of September. We have instead Scott the Pool Boy. Welcome to the show, Scott the Pool Boy. A uh, round of applause uh, uh-huh. if you're listening in. Yeah. No, no, at home, at home they applaud. At home. Oh, I was fapping. Sorry. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Well, then you're fine. You're fine. Um, a crowd goes wild. <laughs> they go mediocre. Uh, <laughs> and a crowd is unresponsive. <laughs> Oh, speaking of unresponsive. I, yeah, I was looking for a spot to transition there, and I was like, you guys are leaving me with nothing. Yeah, I, I would. I had to throw that one out for you. I'd try it. <laughs> well, if uh, you are unresponsive but still looking for something to listen to, you can always check out our shows on the Podcast Collective, including such shows as the Bad Parenting Podcast, on the Block, No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, Joel's Own, The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, Dating Baggage, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, oh. I Am Salt Lake, Mint and Boxcast, Tales from the Hard Side, The Dog and Deuce Show, The Empty Rant Podcast, and The Rad Dad Radio Hour. If you're looking for other places to check out our shows, uh, we're uh, playing our shows Saturday at noon on Geek Life Radio every week and our archives as well as new shows come up on iTunes, Blueberry Stitcher and talk shoe. And if you've got any feedback for us whatsoever, you can give us a call on our voicemail line at seven Oh eight. Now wrap That's seven Oh eight, six, six, nine, nine, seven, two, seven. And yes, if you leave us a voicemail, you can all, you're almost guaranteed you're going to be uh, heard and listened to and played on the air. Um, because we, we tend to not filter them, whether we should or not is still up for debate, but we tend to not to. So, you got a good shot of making the air. <laughs> I was going to say we filtered only a couple, and they were pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, you you gotta you gotta go pretty far. To, I mean, that's not a challenge. Don't right? Worry. No, no, no. It's like yeah, just make sure it's not something that uh, we don't want our names associated with. Yeah. Don't don't try don't try to turn us into censors, please. <laughs> that's not the challenge here. So Wait, we, we have standards now. Uh, and we practices. Always, we, we always have. They just. You know, I mean, it's hard to get there. You know. Now in life, I I like to set goals for myself. And I now have a new goal. <laughs> Be so offensive in a voicemail that we don't play it. Yeah, I want. I want to make sure that. See, I have. I'll call voicemail lines for podcasts, and like, I don't really remember like what I called about or anything. But this, I'm going to like. I'm going to write down a note and be like, I called them. He's gonna. Now, he's gonna mute himself in a little while and just make the call right now and leave it. Here's long. the test. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so, also. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say, unfortunately, we don't have any listener feedback this week. Uh, we uh, so leave us some messages. Let us know what you think of us, good or bad. Preferably good, but bad is always good. I mean, after this week, you guys, I understand. I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I, I feel like you know, like I, I have uh, in the past, I've gotten a little carried away, like if you know what I mean, and I just might upset some people. I've never done that myself. 
Well, if you want to leave us feedback and uh, <laughs> you don't care about he- being heard on the air, you can always tweet us at 40go14 or you can send us an email, 40go14 at gmail.com or join us at our Facebook community. Uh, the podcast page is just 40going14on on your Facebook. You can also tweet me specifically to let me know that I was garbage at the real Mark Marin. <laughs> I told you we were going to get him. Oh boy. Oh yeah. my god. I I is think it, it is time, it is so about that time. <laughs> this week in music, movies, and TV. Yes, sorry. Right. Welcome to the Twee everybody. This week in November 21st, 2007. Going a little bit recent for the Twee because that is the release of what is widely regarded as the Coen Brothers' finest movie, No Country for Old Men. It's we start in off music. with music. Well, Sorry, apparently we are. I was just <laughs> trying to toss it off to you, and you went ahead and took it. You tried to toss <laughs> off to me several times. That, I was um, going to say, it's just acknowledge again. This, the number one song was Kiss Kiss by Chris Brown, featuring the master of the auto-tune, T-Pain. Like, can you God imagine like, reading that sentence off to somebody from the 1950s? <laughs> what 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 is uh, going on? What? What's a tea pain? What's an auto tune? <laughs> right now, twenty twenty three skidoo. This introducing the new auto tune. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that guy better call the doctor. Oh. Uh, on, at the thirty fifth AMA awards on November eighteenth, Carrie Underwood wins Artist of the Year and Justin Timberlake and Fergie win their respective male female artist of the year awards. I'm gonna let you figure uh, out which one's which hard to say. Yeah. Um it, I, don't know, just... I don't know if that's a Justin is is a woman joke or Fergie is a man joke. I can't think it's kind of both. We love Justin Timberlake on Forty Going on Fourteen though. Well, not yeah, we not then. now I mean, he we we owe it to him. He did bring sexy back. That is well yep. Uh, November 27th, the Spice Girls begin their reunion tour in Vancouver. Did uh, anybody ask for that? I I don't know. I'm sure somebody's like, is it odd? If they, had a, if they had a re-reunion tour, I would, I would go to that. I would, <laughs> I would spend a lot of money to not go to that. Oh, it's what? a re-reunion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh carrying the torch. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Okay. <laughs> Kevin Mark Dubrow was an American heavy metal singer best known as a lead vocalist of the heavy metal band Quiet Riot during this week friends had been unable to contact him and he failed to show up to Thanksgiving arrangements he had made on November 25th he was discovered oh, no. dead in his Las Vegas apartment the cause of death was established to be an accidental a cocaine overdose riot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming come on feel the death <laughs> He telegraphed that so well, and I didn't even didn't even see it coming. Uh, <laughs> um, I actually waited on him at uh, the steakhouse I worked at in in Las Vegas. Before or after this? Uh, definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely before. It was, some say was, he's still waiting. I catered the wait. <laughs> As a fifty year old man, he was still wearing leather pants. It was, I was like, "Come on, man!" It's that's a thing that I strive for. I've never worn leather pants, but once I get up. You know, like once you put them on, you're never taking them off. Yeah, I don't plan. That's gonna be like people when they retire, they get like a gold watch or something like that. I, I want. You better believe it. 
Yeah, Pat made fun of his leather pants. He's like, shit, waiters are taking points off me. Better do a mound of coke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mental health will drive you mad. (laughs) All right. Is that more metal than kids? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Now for movies. The number one movie in the land is Enchanted, which knocked off the animated CGI nightmare-inducing Beowulf. Oh. <laughs> is that one of the That's movies you've seen? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that yeah. was a noise he made when he was watching Beowulf. <laughs> yeah. Just don't... The name hurts my soul. That's the one with uh, Angelina Jolie, right? Yeah, yeah. her in the uncanny, uncanny valley. Joel or Josh, do you remember the? Is that what you call her breasts? Boobies. <laughs> 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 the uncanny valley. <laughs> Josh, do you remember the Beowulf joke that I'm when we were watching that Star Trek, Star Trek Four? Vaguely, was it about him being underwater for? Yeah, too Kirk long? was like swimming yeah. and swimming and swimming underwater, and you look, you just looked at me, and you're like, "Who's he think he is, Beowulf?" <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. You got to be a hardcore nerd to get that joke. I love right. it. <laughs> Either that or Len Bias. All right. <laughs> so retarded. <laughs> Movies released this week include Enchanted, Hitman, I'm Not There, The Mist, and the acronym of the week, w- MMWE, which, of course, <laughs> is Magical Midgets with Erections. Oh, if only. <laughs> oh, I, would hey, I, I paid nineteen ninety nine for that one. Yeah, that would have that would have been a better, bigger hit than the movie it was, which was, oh, uh, was? Mr. Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. That's all right. Uh, it was pretty close this week, actually. Yeah, I'd pay about <laughs> the same for either of them. I would definitely watch the midgets more than I would watch the Wonder Emporium. I lost track. Of hey, let me tell you, it's a. The Midgets movie is a little... It came up a little short. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did, also, you know that, did you know that most... Actually, mo- most Midgets don't like each other? That's a like, lie. They, they they pretty much see eye to eye on most things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, All right. Uh, Last up, not a lot else happens this week in film as we are knee-deep in the writer's guild strike, so nothing at all is in production. That's a, that's a damn shame. Is it? Yep. Is this? Is this where I talk now? Yes. Yes. TV. yes. Okay. Moving on to TV. All right. Top shows are American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, Desperate Housewives, and House. On November fifteenth, Georgia Fox appears as a regular for the last time as Sarah Seidel on CSI Crime Scene Investigation. Did any of you guys um, watch CSI? A little bit, yeah. Is that the episode with Kevin DeBrow? I I, want, <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched it once with my mother. I used it's, to love that show. <laughs> it's okay. Now, this is the base CSI. That's not the one with the sunglasses at the beginning of every episode? No, yeah, no that, that's CSI Miami. This was the original one with William Peterson as Gilbert. Yeah! Sir, this is the one with Sarah Seidel. <laughs> yeah, they did a whole like love interest thing with her character and Gil Grissom's character, and it was just dumb and stupid. And they, then they, she just was like, "I want off the show. It's getting stupid." From from what I know of the show, I would have been much more interested if Sarah Seidel and uh, Georgia Fox had had you know 
little something going on. Relations? Yeah. Some kind of crime scene relations. Where they leave their epithelials everywhere. Yeah. We need to investigate this <laughs> romantic... There's a crime in your pants. I gotta <laughs> mark this scene off. No other entries but me. I need to investigate this button fly. <laughs> Hand me my investigation sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? I think we need to move okay. on. <laughs> uh, on November 19th, Firebrand, a nightly television program, broadcast television advertising from around the world, debuts on Ion Television. I don't I even that. know anything about that. That was just a sentence I cut and paste. Well, I, I hope I read it correctly. That was lastly, definitely a sentence. <laughs> friends, family, confidants, strap in for this last bullet point. Shows ending this week include Drawn Together, Phenomenon, and Bionic Woman. All right. Yeah, I think of those, I, the only one I ever watched was Drawn Together. I feel Something like, like a phenomenon. <laughs> was phenomenon or no? Wait, what? What show am I thinking of? I was, oh, well, I phenomenon was was that the dude with the cane? No, that was House. <laughs> no, no, the other dude with the cane. Phenomenon. No, the other dude with the cane. <laughs> Michael? Fantasy Island. <laughs> okay, Phenomenon Air was Devil. a competition show judged by Yuri Geller and Chris Angel. Okay. Oh, so hosted by Tim Vincent. Okay, so wow. yeah. total, total bunch of bullshit show. Yeah. That's, that's so, definitely not the show that I'm thinking of. What show am I <laughs> There's a show I remember. There's a – let me – all right. My, my descript – the way I describe this is going to totally uh, – you know, you guys are going to get it. It was a white guy. Uh, he had a cane. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Uh, no, 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 no. This was this is television. Uh, what was it? He, he he like touched people and could see the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that My was prognosticator cane guy. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, the white guy with the cane. It was phenomenal. <laughs> Moving on to sports. <laughs> <laughs> At the 95th CFL, that being the Canadian Football League Grey Cup, which is their version of the Super Bowl, held on November 25th, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defeated the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 23-19. to About time. <laughs> <laughs> big Saskatchewan fan? Oh, you you know it, eh? He's a big fan <laughs> of being a Rough Rider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on November 18th, the Cleveland Browns defeat the Baltimore Ravens 33-30 to in overtime. At the end of regulation, the Ravens headed to the locker room thinking they won the game 30-27 to after Phil Dawson's 51-yard field goal attempt appeared to hit the crossbar and fall short. But the officials reversed their call, saying the ball actually hit the support bar behind the uprights and bounced back onto the field. The game went to overtime, and then Dawson hit the 33-yarder in that overtime to win the game. About time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> And on November 23rd, the IAAF officially annulled all of Marion Jones' competition results since September 2000, including her medals at the 2001 World Championships in the wake of her confession to having used steroids in 2000 and 2001. 
The IAAF also ordered her to repay $700,000 in earnings from September 2000 forward. Out. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> About time. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is the tweet, ladies and gentlemen. Tweet. Good day to you. I said it's today. Welcome back. To, uh, we are here for the main show. We're going to talk about the Coen Brothers films. Did we even mention that in the first part, what we're talking about? No, sure. no I don't think we did. Yeah, how this funny. Is a... up. Yeah, our topic, by the way, for this week is the Coen Brothers films. All the films what? That they, yeah, the, all the films that they wrote and directed and produced, Okay, uh, whether together or separately credited, they did it all together regardless. Yeah, yeah, we uh, kind of alluded to it at the beginning of this weekend, but uh, we oh, periodically do these person shows, and I, I think this is the second time we've done a director, or in this case, two directors. Yeah, didn't we do? Was it Scorsese we did first? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And uh, we're pretty big fans of the Coens on this show. We've already covered at least two of the films on our countdown so far, but uh, I guess we're starting all the way back in 1984 with blood simple, which only Joel has seen. And all I really remember about it from when I saw it, cause that was in my first uh, Renaissance with the Coen brothers is that it was incredibly slow, um, but well done for, you know, a first film. Yeah. That's the one about the uh, like bar owner in Texas who was trying to hire someone first to investigate his wife and her lover and then to kill them. And then Correct. like everyone ends up pointing guns at each other pretty much. It's not quite a Tarantino Mexican standoff at the end, but it's um, racist. <laughs> yeah. Quentin Tarantino's not racist. Uh, I was talking about him. It, 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 it's not quite the Tarantino, uh, Mexican American standoff. <laughs> that came later. See, when the, in, the, in the office, what was he saying? Is there something we can call you other than Mexican that's less offensive? It's like, if it's that's not offensive. Offensive about that? Uh... <laughs> it's it's the Mexican part. All right, on. from from Blood Simple <laughs> to 1986, we have a crime wave, which was not directed by either brother. It was just written by them. Uh, none of us have seen it. Uh, I get the impression it's a dark comedy uh, series of vignettes all about a prisoner on death row. I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I kind of... One of the earliest films by, maybe the first film by uh, Sam Raimi. Oh. Yeah. Never heard of him. Sam Raimi. You're saying it wrong. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have the 1987 classic, which is the one that brought the Coens into most people's across their radar. Basically, was Raising Arizona, which uh, I believe all of us have seen. Have you seen it, Scott? Um, I I know that uh, Nick Glass Cage is in it, and I'm pretty sure there's a thing about uh, paper towels or toilet paper or something in it, right? Diapers. Is that a thing? Diapers. That's it. It's it's baby toilet paper. Baby. H I. That's the one with the classic line where he's in he's in the little general store and he's like, "You got any of them balloons and them oh. funny shapes?" And the guy behind the counter's like, "Let's think round is funny." Not unless you think round is funny. 
<laughs> and that is such a great line. That movie has what the, you got you got pantyhose on your head. That movie has the notoriety of my next door neighbors. Um, I live next to two girls, and we used to hang out all the time. And their mother rented this for us, thinking it was you know comedy, something to watch. She ended up having a this film that I've never seen anyone else have because of the themes where, you know, you've got two people kidnapping a baby. She thought it was the worst thing ever. And she felt terrible for years. Now, now I, 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 like I said, I've never seen the movie, but I do know that 15 babies played the Arizona quintuplets in the film. Uh, one of the babies was fired during production when he learned to walk. <laughs> I thought it was because he went on a bender. The mother went so far as to put her baby's shoes on backwards in order to prevent him from walking. That I just, I, I just know that I've never seen the movie, <laughs> but you know that. Yeah. I, I'm, I, just I'm you haven't smart. seen something doesn't mean you can't know about it. Yeah. I, like I've never seen the moon, right? But I know a lot about, I know a lot of shit about the moon, you know, you know, you've never seen the moon. Just look up. Yeah. No, no, no. Scott has a thing up. about looking up. He doesn't like to do it. Yeah, I don't believe in it. It's bad. Never, it's never bad look up. Me. People might look you in the eye. The only time I ever looked up, uh, I was young, and I was at uh, my my big brother's uh, baseball practice, and I was walking along. I was outside. I was outside the baseline. You know, off the foul line. I was just walking, and it was it was at a park. There was a playground off to the side. There was a field one side and a playground to the other and i was walking and as i was walking i heard scott heads up i looked up and you know what happened got hit in the face with a baseball so after that day i swore i would never look up again so that's how i know that bit of trivia from raising arizona so there's (laughs) so that's like your origin story you're like down man yeah look look down man that's a different guy I'm, I'm down. down man. <laughs> they call me Down Syndrome. <laughs> Yikes. He teams up with Mexican standoff. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Anyway, what about you guys? You've seen the movie, right? What are your thoughts on it? I love this movie. Oh, yeah. From the escape, them digging their way out of the prison, all the way to the biker of the apocalypse. Just like before I even knew who the Coens were, this is a, a film I had a great deal of love for. And uh, the I, uh, I was gonna, sorry, I was going to say, I definitely agree with that. I liked this film before I even like knew, understood who the Coen brothers were. I liked this movie as a movie. Now, this this is another thing that uh, never seen the movie, something that I can appreciate because I do like Coen brothers movies. This is a thing. Uh, during the chase scene through the grocery store, the movie's theme can be heard playing on the store's music system. It's that little subtle Coen Brothers touch. Uh, I've never seen the movie. It's great. Some, somebody's in the IMDb trivia section. Yeah, I was no, say. I just I, that's part of having down. Or, no, sorry, that's part of being <laughs> Down syndrome. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Miller's Crossing. I watched that yesterday for the first time. You'd never seen it? Nope. I love this film. I know it's one of Josh's personal favorites of the group. This this might be the uh, the the stereotypical 
Coen Brothers experience for me. I may have to watch this movie several times before I start to love it because I don't. I, I think it might have been hyped up too much. I'd heard so much about it that I just you know as I you know I watched it, I'm like, yeah, this is good, but it's not. You know, I don't. I don't know. I mean, for a gangster period piece, I, there are other movies I'd rather watch. So maybe I need to watch it a few more times to really appreciate it. To this day, I shave uh, with cold water on my razor because of this movie. <laughs> You're gonna take adv- advice from the, the jokiest, dumbest character in the movie. I don't know. If for some reason, that <laughs> advice stuck with me. I was like, you know, that's pretty plausible. <laughs> so I've been doing it ever since. But, but the since only thing so- that he actually knew something about was how to shave properly. Right. <laughs> well, and one of the things that uh, this movie like introduced me to a lot of big names like well not big names but people that i grew to love because of them and this is the kind of the first one where that happened uh john Turturro, um yeah, love him and this is kind of again a bit of a, a a slower burn but it's so incredibly effective and one of the things that we'll see throughout this entire list of films is that the comb brothers no matter what they're doing they never do the same thing twice. It may have a similar feel. It may have a similar tone, but they're always come up with a new way to tell a story. There's a lot of um, kidnapping. Well, yeah. but the, the way that the story plays out and the themes and the overall story itself are always unique. And another theme we see is many of their movies are not quite what they seem on a first viewing. And I think Pat kind of touched on that when he said, oh, I think I need to see this again because, like, it, it, on a first viewing, it's a pretty simple gangster story. But there's a lot more going on, and we see that again and again with uh, their films. Right, and I need, to, I need to watch it again just to understand exactly how he weaved himself out of the situation he was in. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, so, Scott? Is this, is this movie considered a... Flop? Because I, I, I was know. looking at. I don't know how it did financially. Uh, at the time, it was a box office failure. Yeah, it yeah. Uh, only made like half its budget at the theater. Yeah, I was looking at the budget, and it's like what what the budget was and what they made was like quite different. But it sounds like <laughs> you fellas like the budget was fourteen million, and the gross was five. Oof. It's, it's definitely got, one of those films that got appreciated long after it was in theaters. It became a cult film once it came to DVD. I think it's one of those that that kind of rose as the the Coen Brothers name rose, you know, mm-hmm. it, by by like default. Kind of like um, Thanks Killing or Ginger Dead Man. Just you know, that's that you took the words right out of my mouth. No, those are box office success stories. Not at all. I've never uh, heard of those. They well, were dead. next up. <laughs> so we can keep this moving. Um, is is my personal favorite of the group, which is Barton Fink. Um, this sealed my love affair with John Goodman. It uh, it increased my love affair with um, the gentleman I was just talking about before, and Allison for John Turturro. And this movie, every time I watch it, I find something new about it, and it just it's such a simple story about a guy with writer's block. But there's so much else going on, and oh, Steve Buscemi—that's the other one. It's just it, every time I watch it, I, I, I love it a little more. Yeah, this was a film that you, only you and I saw, but we saw it together for the first time, which uh, 
you uh you rented it and we saw it in college yep so uh yeah, yeah uh, you guys told me have been telling me since college i need to see this movie and i still haven't I, it is also the first of uh the Cohen's uh, obsession with doing interesting things. I, I don't want to spoil everything for Pat, but interesting things with John Goodman. Yes. If, if you want to see John Goodman be very un John Goodman, wait till the end. Um, and this one also, of course, I can't think of Barton Fink without thinking of the scene from The Simpsons where Milhouse and, and Bart or Milhouse is inviting Bart to go see an R rated movie with him. And it's Milhouse and some other kids in the back of a pickup. And as they're driving away, they're chanting Barton Fink, Barton Fink. <laughs> Boy, they were in for a shock. This is also an early appearance of Tony Shalhoub. Oh, yes. This is uh this has, this has a quote that, uh, I, I, uh, that, that sticks with me. It's chilled me to the bone. It says, have you read the Holy Bible, Pete? Pete says, Holy Bible? Barton says, yeah. Pete says, yeah, I think so. Anyway, I've heard about it. Chilling. <laughs> someone, is, someone is back on IMDb. We're going to have to... <laughs> Scott's found his place. If he hasn't seen it, he's going to fill in somehow. You're welcome. You are welcome. All right, so moving on from 1991's Barton Fink to uh, 1994's The Hudsucker Proxy a film that is a, an early favorite of mine for the Coens. And this kind of puts them into back into their uh, over-the-top kind of... It's not necessarily silly, but it's just kind of over-the-top and a little bit kind of crazy, and Tim Robbins just steals the show. You know, for kids. Basically the story of the inventor of the hula hoop, to keep it simple. Uh, this this is the only Coen Brothers movie that I really strongly dislike. We've been arguing about this film for like 20 years. Yep. <laughs> the scene where he is in his board meeting with his proposal and he just draws a circle and goes, for kids. <laughs> and I they mean, want... It has, <laughs> it has its moments. It. I, won't, I won't deny that. But I mean, I find Laura Flynn Boyle just grating in this whole movie. And... Just it's just too much over the top nonsense crap that I don't like. They they, you know, they tread too far into the John Waters territory in this. Laura movie. Flynn Boyle, you mean uh, Jennifer Jennifer Jason Lee? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> now now one thing that I actually knew about this movie. Oh god damn it! <laughs> no, this this is real, guys. Come on. <laughs> Do you trust me? Yes, Scott. Not much. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Little a little piece of trivia, fellas, is Anna Nicole Smith was in this movie. That's it. Was that before or after? Uh, death, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, debatable. Before she started dating <laughs> Kevin Debro. Yeah. No, he's absolutely correct. She played Zaza. You are welcome. Look at me contributing. <laughs> ha! Ha! I had forgotten this. This is not one of the ones I rewatched for uh, this particular episode because I'd seen it so many times back in the 90s. This this is one that uh, I watched over and over again, and I love the cameo from Steve Buscemi as the uh, bartender. Well, he became a regular kind of uh, in their fold for quite a while. I mean, they've just recently kind of started to branch out a little bit. But, um, yeah, speaking of Steve Buscemi, 1996 brings us probably their most – 
well-received right out of the gate film and one of the ones that people think of most frequently, which is Fargo. Guys, I have some good news about this. You've seen it. I, yes, I have. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I have good news. There's an IMD page for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I can look up more shit about this movie if you want. Fargo is uh, one of these films that we are likely to return to in a uh, subsequent episode because they also remade it as a TV show. So uh, you may be hearing uh, our thoughts in depth on Fargo sometime in the future. Guys, I have bad news about this. (laughs) I have not seen a TV show. That's okay. What did you think about the film, though, since we'll have an opportunity to talk about it more in depth later? Well, you know, it was okay. (laughs) No, I liked it a lot. Especially the part where there's the legs sticking out of the the wood chipper. Yes. Pretty solid. This might be... (laughs) Didn't uh, have to look that up, by the way. (laughs) I remembered it because I saw it. This might be, in my opinion, their best movie. Wow, more than the one we're about to talk about, Lebowski. No, that's my favorite, but this might be what I think is their best movie. You know, what's funny about that is, in my head, like, I... I've seen Fargo. I've seen The Big Lebowski. I mean, uh, the movie that's coming. Yeah. Later, Spoilers. Right? <laughs> I've seen both of those. And in my head, The Big Lebowski was made far earlier than Fargo. And I don't know why, but just, I don't know. I yeah. think it was the baseball that hit it. A little bit of trivia, guys. <laughs> uh Or you. Yeah. That's it. I just it's Scott trivia. I thought Fargo uh, came out after the Big Lebowski. You won't find that on an IMDb page. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Far. I, I mean, I really like Fargo. I think it's just a, a, a very well made movie. I, I I know, like I said, you know, in the tweet that No Country for Old Men is considered their their you know their epic, their opus, whatever. But I mean, yeah. I think Fargo is is their their best movie. They, they, honestly. Oh, oh! I was, I, I, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. I was going to say they, everyone is transforming. Uh, I feel like one thing that I I do appreciate, like uh, with with the Coen Brothers, is they do a spectacular job of capturing a. Uh, like a like a time like a time span like Fargo is not filmed in a uh, era that is current like they they really grasp They're good at period pieces yeah yeah they they can really they they're really really good at that like when you're watching Fargo you feel like like obviously like you're not it's it's like I don't even know when it's set in but obviously it's not set in 1996 and there's a um Interesting piece of trivia is they they built that Paul Bunyan for this movie only. Oh, really? is that is yeah. that what uh, is that did IMDb tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just something I happen to know. So. <laughs> Uh, I was going to give credit to Fargo uh, in great deal to Frances McDormand because her performance, like we've seen bungling gangsters before, but this like backwoods folksy cop who is struggling with her own problems in her life. Like I've never seen a character quite like that. And it makes the whole thing something special. And her relationship with her husband too is just so good. And I, I mean, I, I, 
I don't watch a ton of film or movies, but how many, like, she's pregnant through the whole movie. Yep. Uh-huh. She also uh, took home the Best Actress Oscar for this. Mm-hmm. But how many, how many, like, female leads are pregnant through a whole movie? That's a good, good question. question. That like, that, that's, that's, a, that's a cool kind of character, char- character trait that is not something that I think I'm, happens a lot. Yeah, it's fairly common in TV because they record, you know, on a yearly basis, and sometimes they just have to cover up pregnancies. But yeah, you know, like you behind schedule pillow. around it, so yeah, it almost has to be written in. Yeah, like that. That that's like a. I I actually like is that I'm curious if that was because sometimes like actors will choose that kind of thing, and I wonder if like was that written in or is that like a character choice like. Hmm. Like the actress was like, I want to be pregnant. <laughs> Interesting. We'll have to look that up before the Fargo show. Well, we should call them. I'll call them. <laughs> yeah, call him. Ask him real quick. Hey, oh. buddy. Just wondering. <laughs> um, since we're probably going to almost definitely do a Fargo show, let's just move on um, to the next one, which is The Big Lebowski, which Holy I'm crap. all of us have seen. The what? The Big Lebowski. Oh. You ever heard of it? The what Lewatsky? <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. While, while I said Fargo is probably their best work, in my opinion, this is my favorite movie of theirs by far. I do, oh, yeah. I do quite enjoy a big. I on a you know a, a nice you know the cold like the 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 frost has settled in on a nice autumn evening. And you're settling down to enjoy a big Lebowski in your face. You may so, have watched a different movie. <laughs> but you paint quite a picture. <laughs> no, that's a thing that I – that's what I call a, uh, you know, like you get off work and it's cold out. And you come home and you set down all your stuff. You know, you're relaxing. You go upstairs. You sit down on the toilet. You get that – cold bite on your bum and you just settle in for a big Lebowski. So this movie, um, (laughs) this is, this is Tommy the ducks all time favorite film. And he and I go round and round. And this is probably where you guys will say I'm wrong, but this is my least favorite film of theirs. And I, I don't care for it. Oh God, you're so incorrect. (laughs) I mean, I can understand not liking it, but least I didn't like it the first time I yeah. saw it. And, okay, maybe and not the more I've seen it, the more okay. I've grown well, to love then it. we're still friends. Because <laughs> looking down the list, there's at least one other, uh, two other ones that I would say are probably lesser than this one. I mean, so, how many times have you seen this one? Once was enough. I see. That's what I'm saying. It's like the first time I saw this movie, I didn't like it. I had to watch it another, you know, two or three times before I really started to appreciate it. See, this movie um, gave me one of my most favorite. Not, like I do, I really enjoy this movie quite a lot, and it also gave me one of my most beloved TV edits ever. Because if you ever watch this movie on like television, it's hilarious all the 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 fucks they have to cover up. But there's the scene where John Goodman is completely destroying a car, yelling at a kid. Yep. In the movie, he says. This is what happens when you fuck a guy in the ass, right? Fuck a stranger in the ass. Fuck a stranger. Yeah, that's it. Fuck a stranger in the ass. 
the TV edit is this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is what happens, actually. Yeah. You find a stranger in the Alps, he's going to come home, and he's going to destroy your hot rod car with a bat. Your hot rod car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you know, I'm always willing to give a film a second shot, you know, because I, I firmly believe that some things you can't enjoy on the first, like Dumb and Dumber. I didn't appreciate it until I watched it with you, Pat. So I think I need maybe just watch it in the right context because it's got Julianne Moore in it, who I love. It's got all the other usual Coen Brothers people that I love. So who I knows? mean, it's, it's it's not a perfect film. You know, um, some of the dream sequences are a little too long, but I mean. There's, there's, it's got some pacing issues and whatever, but I mean, it's very funny. It's highly quotable. The characters are great. Uh, John Goodman is awesome. Uh, Jeff Bridges as the dude pretty much becomes the dude. And, and uh, what's his name? Sam, uh, the, the the narrator guy. Sam. Oh, so, uh, oh, 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 yeah, Sam Elliott. Yeah, that's just great. Yeah. Two stone. <laughs> <laughs> So I think you just need to honestly just watch it a little uh, one or two more times and you'll start appreciating it. My, my main problem with this movie is uh, every time I watch it, every single time, I want a white Russian and I want to go bowling. And every time I watch it, I can't – I don't have those things. And you want to mark it zero. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I like that movie quite a bit. That's That's the movie that like – if I'm watching TV or something and it comes on, like I will, I won't sit there and watch it. But I'm also gonna just leave it on. I'm not gonna change the channel. I agree. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of those movies that I always stop on. Yeah, at its core, this is really a character study. Like you've got your typical kind of uh, almost noir sort of private eye case but uh seen through the eyes of a guy who is kind of a dead-end guy with his own perspective on life and like a lot of other coen brothers properties he's based on a real person um but they take their their core of truth and kind of go in their own direction with it yeah there's an awesome documentary about the actual guy who was the dude it's a guy who produced a whole bunch of movies in hollywood oh man i didn't i did not know that Yep, I didn't either. There's and I was I was just thinking uh there's like um uh, uh what's his name? The the butler guy. The, the Big Lebowski oh, uh, butler. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, like he his character is like just it 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 really is great. <laughs> like he's like that uptight weird awkward like very, very nebbish. proper. I think nebbish is the word you're looking for. But but by the end of the movie, he he starts like understanding the dude. <laughs> like as the movie goes on, he he just every, every time he sees him, he's a dude. He's like so <laughs> formal about it. <laughs> well, hello, dude. <laughs> nice to see you, dude. And it, like it, the the character, like that, like that, that character in the movie is not not a main character at all. But like. He, you can see his uh, evolution through the movie, and it's really great. And sadly, he's also gone to go have dinner with Kevin Dubrow and Anna Nicole Smith, and also the Big Lebowski. That dude uh, with his dead legs in the movie rolled on off to the the great beyond. He just died a couple <laughs> months ago. Yeah, that is. Yeah, 
Um, so the next one is actually one that uh, be careful, Julianne Moore. That, no, don't say <laughs> and, that. And, and watch out. Uh, uh, what's what's your name? Uh, something Reed. Tara Reed. Tara Reed. Bunny. She's she's making Sharknado movies now. She'll live forever. Um, so the next one was written by Joel Cohen. Um, the director, his name escapes me all of a sudden. It's nobody big, but uh, it was a film called Goodbye Lover from 1998 with Patricia Arquette. It's the only reason I've seen this outside of the fact that he wrote it. It's forgettable, so we'll move Cause, on. Because yeah, you in, like an Arquette, right? You're a fan of Patricia. She's my favorite actress, yes. Yeah, in 1998, after The Lebowski, each of the brothers wrote a different film. So we had Goodbye Lover by Joel and then The Naked Man by Ethan. Uh, So they had a pretty busy year, both one film together and then one each separately. None of us have actually seen The Naked Man, however. I think that's the one with Michael Rappaport, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Back in his heyday. And uh, we're going to be rounding out uh, then, uh, right at our typical break point, uh, with the year 2000 and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is my personal favorite Coen Brothers film. It's actually one of my favorite films of all time. I I, I think I might agree with that. It I is, of course, I, as most people know, an adaptation of uh, The Odyssey by Homer. Yes, sir. And uh, again, yeah. stars a lot of their staple like John Turturro and uh, John Goodman and such, but it introduced to them uh, the wonderful George Clooney playing Dapper mm-hmm. Dan loving. What was his character's name? The Dapper Dan loving. Uh, I don't remember his name, but uh, Ulysses Everett McGill. Wow, that's yeah, right. That's it. But he oh, done yeah. run R. Are you in OFT? Are you in an OFT? Which this is this is. Definitely a second close to the tie with Barton Fink. And it also falls in, even though it's of their films, probably my second, it is one of my probably top 50 of all time. It's, it's brilliant. And the soundtrack is amazing too. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I have the soundtrack on my phone. Yep. Same here. So you've seen this one. Constant Starro is so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm a fan. This movie is pretty, pretty solid. Also, it it has the uh, (laughs) what's his name from uh, News Radio plays the blind dude at the record store or the record the the radio station. Oh, um, is it Stephen Root? Yeah, Stephen Root plays Mister Lund. Yeah, I I think my favorite scene in it though, outside of the R U N N O F T, is where they're up in the 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 hayloft and we're in a tight spot. Yeah, he keeps going. We're in a hell of a spot. So funny. Yeah. And, and it just, to me, I mean, it proved that George Clooney was capable of, of brilliant comedic timing. I did. I, I always, anytime I think of this movie, I think of the, I want Dapper Dan, man. <laughs> like, I don't have Dapper Dan. I have fop. If you want Dapper <laughs> Dan, it'll be two weeks till I can get him. Like, well, you're just two weeks from anywhere. <laughs> Uh, this is another one where they take uh, a real historical figure and kind of throw a Coen Brothers version into the film. Uh, Pappy O'Daniel, uh, played by Charles Durning, again, uh, another one of their regulars, uh, has the as the incumbent governor of Mississippi. That's another real person, uh, yeah, only the, he was from Texas. The white supremacist. Yes, in the whole Wizard of Oz reference. 
There's which, also uh, what's his name the the the, the guy they pick up because he, he went down to the crossroads to sell his soul boy, to the no, devil. Not, not pretty boy Floyd. Um, um, oh, the it's, the musician. Um, it's supposed to be Robert Taylor. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but yeah, and and again, that's another thing that you see throughout their films that kind of is a is a thread is that they take a classic tale and they somehow weave it into a modern or well modern in terms of it's a current film but even into like you know a 60s or 30s or 1980s whatever um but a classic tale that they then retell and it's it's just it, it continually impresses me with what they're able to come up with you know fellas i i I've been thinking. I I think these uh, Cohen fellas might be talented. (laughs) (laughs) If nothing else, this film uh, definitely proves it. And we have another reference back to Barton Fink with uh, John Goodman as not only the Cyclops, but a Bible salesman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the Bible salesman that, like, fucking lays a smack down and robs him, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joel, I assume you caught that like, very clear reference called back to Barton Fink. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I again, John Goodman, I, I love him, and especially when he gets in with them. So, yeah. All right. So uh, I think, are we ready to take a break, or does anyone have anything to say about uh, the older Coen Brothers films before we uh, talk about the newer ones? Uh, I mean... The, they're all great, but if you're going to get a soundtrack, get the soundtrack for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Because it is a toe tapper. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, all right. All right, we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, <laughs> we are going to talk about uh, the Coen Brothers films from uh, 2001 all the way up to the brand new uh, Hail Caesar. And welcome back from break. Uh, we are 40 going on 14. As you already know, we're going to cover the Cone Brothers from 2001 on, uh, starting with The Man Who Wasn't There from 2001. I remember seeing this film two days after it opened, like at a really late show at the Lake Theater. I was one of like three people in the theater. And this is a hard movie to like, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> I thought you could, this is a hard movie to masturbate to. <laughs> <laughs> Not as hard as you might but think. I, it was a challenge, but I did it. So what is this about? Uh, you've got this character who is sort of drifting through his life, played by Billy Bob Thornton. And uh, it goes back and forth from his time in prison to his time in a loveless marriage his time uh, sponsoring a girl who is trying to learn how to play the piano. And you've got like all of the people who take advantage of him, his decisions, good and bad and his life, which is just sort of odd. Yeah. You remember more than I do. I, I remember that I thought it was okay, but it didn't stick with me at all. Uh, This is one of my favorite Billy Bob Thornton movies. Um, Oh yeah, it's his performance in a character you like that it better ways than is, Bad Santa. <laughs> I actually do like it better than Bad Santa. I have to go. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> we we talked about Bad Santa, and I enjoyed Bad Santa, but this uh, 
his character is so flat and in some ways unlikable, and he just brings something to the role. It, it's definitely worth a look, and I can't guarantee you'll like it, but it's worth your time. Yeah, I'd say it's worth watching. I just it just was one of the ones of their catalog that just didn't stick with me. And for for the record, Sling Blade is his best performance. Mm-hmm. I might enjoy this movie more than Sling Blade, but Sling Blade is objectively the better movie. Now, I know this is the second time I brought it up, but I think his best role was as uh, the dealer in Tombstone. <laughs> it's like dealing to my sister's kids. <laughs> just gonna, you going to do something or you're just going to stand there and bleed? Skin that <laughs> smoke wagon. <laughs> oh, I forgot you were there. You may leave. <laughs> Leave the shop. I, I I recently bought that movie on DVD for like five bucks, and I've watched that movie more than any movie I own. I think I love that movie, but that's unfortunately so not a cool brothers movie. It's not. <laughs> but we've straight off topic, guys. Let's let's uh, what's it uh uh. Six six steps. What is it? Six somethings from Kevin Bacon's six degrees. Degrees. Yes, six six thingies from Kevin Bacon. We'll do it right now. Uh, that movie you're just talking about. Uh, Kevin Bacon's not in it, but Billy Bob is in it, and he's in Tube Stuff. Oh boy, you may go now. So after this comes <laughs> 2003's Intolerable Cruelty, which sees the Coen Brothers uh, kind of. I don't know that I want to say take a step in in a different direction, but it it kind of is. It's uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and George Clooney. And um, I believe it has something to do with their divorce. I've only seen it once. Again, didn't stick with me, kind of like the man who wasn't there. And it just felt kind of flat. This is a movie that I've been about to see for 13 years now. Like, I keep telling myself, any day now, I'm going to see Intolerable Cruelty, and I was supposed to watch it for the show, didn't get around to it. I don't know what makes me procrastinate about this film. You're not excited about it? Yeah. I guess. I mean, I like both the leads. The uh, Obviously, I like the Coens, and the concept is sort of interesting, but eh. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> a day late for the show. That's that's definitely tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. There's there's a lot of people in it, and you know, it's not very exciting sounding. But at the very least, you should consider it because Ken Sagoes plays Gus Pal Number Two. You've sold me. I'll watch it tomorrow. There you go. You're welcome. All also, right, so Patrick on. Thomas O'Brien <laughs> bailiff number one. This is just off the top of my head. I really love off, this. Off movie. the top of IMDb. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm. I just. I'm. I'm a. Uh, I'm. I'm what you call a uh, a um, a film buff. A connoisseur of extras. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you've met. You've met. You've met my people. You know, so, you know what it's like. In 2004, <laughs> they moved on to a remake of a movie uh, called The Lady Killers, starring Tom Cruise or, or Tom, Tom Tom Cruise. Cruise. 
Tom Hanks. <laughs> been a different movie. This is a movie that has been on our list of things to talk about uh, on this show since almost the beginning. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, and I don't know why we haven't gotten around to it. I actually own this one on DVD. As do I. I own both of them. And um, being a Tom Hanks fan, I was anxious to see him collaborate with the Coen Brothers. I really, really enjoy this movie, even though it kind of got some bad press when it came out. Uh, it's funny. It's it's well done, and it's just a solid it, piece. It never really got a whole lot of support from from the um, the production company. They didn't really put a whole lot of media behind it. I mean, come on! It makes Marlon Wayans watchable. What else do you need to know? <laughs> that it's got a very nice sack butt in it. I I've I've been a fan of Marlon Wayne's since uh what oh, what was that what was that movie or no the TV show what's that show White Chicks I that's what you really like no the show the show living, in Living Color no there's that other show oh boy the <laughs> Wayans yeah that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. It's also got the incomparable J.K. Simmons, a a guy who for years I didn't know who the fuck he was. And as soon as I figured out who he was, I was like, holy crap, I've loved this guy and everything he's ever been in, including the farmer's insurance commercials. Have you seen him recently? Yeah, he's Farmers Jack. Have you guys ever heard that song? Mm -hmm. He's going to play Commissioner Gordon in a totally different way. Yeah, apparently as a giant badass. You don't call him commissioner anymore. You call him commish or he'll break your face. He's the new Michael Chiklis. Uh, he's also Lenny Turtletub on BoJack Horseman. <laughs> but you still that. call him commish or he'll break your face. So they took three years off and then out comes what many people consider, like like I said earlier, their opus. No Country for Old Men, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Javier Bardem as Anton Sugar. And Josh Brolin. Who? Yeah, and Josh Brolin. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, so the three of them are the are the, the main leads in this slice of life story about uh, crime in West Texas. Yeah, I drink your milkshake. Wrong movie. Wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. No, I'm pretty sure it's the right one. There's the like silent shotgun and then milkshakes. So Pat, is this based on a true story? You're from Texas, so don't you know? Uh, I don't believe so. I really don't know, though. Has anyone ever drank your milkshake? I've I've drank milkshakes with people. You know, I mean, no one is going to drink any of my milkshake that's not allowed to because so it's only consensual. Fat guys don't give up milkshakes easily. Pat brings all the boys to the yard. That's that's very true. His but when tank. the boys are there, are they respectful? Are boys ever respectful? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your milkshake. So we have derailed once again. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one of those movies that uh, when it came out, I, for whatever reason, it was a blind buy. I think because of who was in it and that it was Coen Brothers. And I can honestly say I've only seen it twice, I think. And I think most people remember it Primarily for, for the you know, this what's his name? Javier Bardem. No, his character's name. Oh, Sugar Antoine Sugar Sugar 
his character, his portrayal of that the guy character. with the monkey's haircut. <laughs> yes. Right, that crazy ass haircut. Yeah, and that little air, the the, the air rifle thing he had for yeah, the cattle wolves. gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they uh, approached him, he, uh, the Coens uh, tried to get him into this film, and he said, "I don't drive. I speak bad English, and I hate violence." And they said, "That's why we called you. <laughs> That's why you're gonna have a silenced shotgun." <laughs> He took the role because his dream was to work with them. But, uh, yeah. Also, Josh Brolin actually busted his shoulder two days after he got the part, which turned out to be perfect because his character was shot in the shoulder, like right at the beginning of the film. Or did they just write that in? Serendipitous. No, that was that was totally a thing, and it just like he thought he was going to be kicked off the set and not get to work with the Coens, and then he got the script. Nice. So he drank their milkshake. <laughs> so yeah, this is um this is just a, a really well done movie. Um high on tension and a lot of just really good uh really, really high tension scenes, especially when when uh Javier Bardem is on scene, like every the scene he has with Woody Harrelson and, and with uh at the end. You know, I mean, and, and especially the scene in the gas station where he's trying yeah. to get the guy to flip to call the coin. Yeah, that one's very intense. Yeah. Speaking, uh, like speaking of high tension, um, have uh, I've never seen this movie. Have you guys ever seen High Tension, the movie? Mel Brooks movie. Yes. I don't know. Are you talking about the two thousand? No high anxiety. He, no, he's talking about the two thousand three uh, Alexander Aja film, the that French, French horror. Film. Yeah. Yeah. I own three copies of it. Yes, I've seen it. Boy, that movie. Was, I was thinking of High Anxiety. That was wild, wasn't it? Um, in 2008 <laughs> comes the uh, the collaboration with Brad Pitt called Burn After Reading. Um, this is one that is very over-the-top screwball oddness that I did not care for. I heard so many bad things about it that I never bothered to see it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, it's eventually, because it's Cohen's, I'll see it, but I'm in no hurry. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's, it's got such bad press that it might actually turn out to be okay when you watch it because you're expecting it to be so awful. No, no. Either that, <laughs> either that or I had, I had a, um, high expectations. And I'll watch it again at some point because I have a feeling that part of it was what, what everybody else's perception was. But it just in in a little... I don't know. It just doesn't feel quite right. That's a shame. Because I like spy stuff. I like Cohen's. But yeah, that's what everybody says. So, meh. All right. So the next movie is uh, 2009's A Serious Man, which Joel is the only one who's seen. Well, I made a point that since of all the movies that they directed, there was only three that I hadn't seen. And so they were all from the now. And so I, I watched this one first. And it's a very slow burn, slice of life story about a, a Jewish man and his family who uh, they kind of intersect this story at the beginning with the rest of the story. And he just continually has this series of strange and horrible things kind of happen to him. It's it's amazingly well done. The pacing is just very uh, consistent and it kind of ends on a question mark, but it's was really, really, really good. Very good. 
What's it about? It's about a a guy who, like I said, it goes through a series of just horrible things keep happening. He's a college professor who's about to get tenure. He finds out his wife is having an affair with uh, another guy. She's going to leave him. His kids don't respect him. Who, is it, is it, who's starring it? A nobody that you know. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, the, your details there are more what I was looking for. Hmm. Yeah. It's, right. it's Yeah, the, the people in the film. I mean, there's a couple of people that you'll know just from, like, um, Richard Kind is in it. He's, he <laughs> plays, he's one of the main characters. He, you know, he probably got that from being George Clooney's best friend. But they don't have really any big names that are starring in it. I mean, it's all kind of people that you don't know. And I think that's kind of the point. Um, but. All right. Okay. Well, I guess that's all there is to say about that then, right? The sure. next the next two films are ones that we've actually done shows on. Uh, you've got 2010's True Grit, the remake, and then 2011's Gambit. And True Grit features the dude... Uh, bathrobe and all. <laughs> he's had some sort of <laughs> facial injury, but he's still duding it up. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to, if you want to hear our opinion on either of those, you can go to our back catalog. Uh, True Grit was in like the '80s, I think, of our shows, and Gambit was in like the what, the 120s, something like and that. If you want to hear my opinion on it, you can go uh, search, go to iTunes, and look for uh, Dude Cast. Featuring Scott the Pool Boy, and you can hear every I've ever thought about this movie and any movie featuring the dude. When I was putting together this section of the show notes, that was my dream. Since we'd already talked about these, I was thinking, okay, this is the part where Scott the Pool Boy just makes shit up about these movies. What are you talking about making shit up? This is my real life, man. I dedicate hours. The, the dude and, and his dudeness. <laughs> just, be, just because it's real life doesn't mean it's not fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, live and breathe the dude. But Scott, have you seen have, either one of these films? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So but I do on. know uh, Gambit was an X-Man. Uh, and and uh, he 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 was from uh, New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans, and uh, he would throw playing cards. Wrong gambit. He would, he would charge. He would charge them with his uh, his energy, and it would blow up uh, gloriously. And uh, he was he was quite a, a sweet talker. Wrong gambit. Right gambit. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yes, moving on to 2013's uh, Inside Lewin Davis, uh, which is no, it's Lewin. It's misspelled. It really? Yeah, it's not like Llewellyn, like on People's Quarter. Uh, yeah, people, yeah. It's Lewin. I don't. Davis. Know, I'm not very good at spelling, but there's like four L's in this name that shouldn't have so many L's. I or maybe um, yeah, I'm spelling my name wrong and my name needs more L's. This this was another one that I made a point of watching since I hadn't seen it um, before. And, whoa, that's not what I meant to do. <laughs> Ooh, oh, whoa. Um, anyway, it's... Um, Eno Tech! <laughs> it stars probably the most uh, 
one of the big up and comers right now, uh, Oscar Isaac, Glenn Davis. It's got Justin Timberlake, uh, John Goodman in a smaller role, Garrett Hedlund, Adam Driver. Yes, that Adam Driver who sings in this movie. Um, Carrie about Mulligan. <laughs> it's about time. He he actually does pretty well. Um, but it it's basically it's set in 1961. It tells the story of Lewin Davis, who used to be part of a, a duo of folk musicians, and he's now out on his own. He's very much kind of in that beatnik vibe where he sleeps on people's couches. He doesn't have his own place to call his own. Um, he plays shitty gigs, makes minimal money, and kind of everything he touches turns to shit. Um, but there's a lot of great folk music in it. It's another one of the Coen brothers. Uh, it's very similar to the quality of music you get in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, All right. But it's, um, it's again, it's another kind of slower paced movie. It's shot in a really kind of soft focus. So it's got kind of a really distinct feel to it. But it's basically his life, um, trying to get his life back together after becoming a solo act and trying to decide if he wants to continue on with his career and become famous or whether it's time to kind of settle down and become a, a, a part of society, which his ex is pushing towards, but it's really, really, again, another very solid film that I highly recommend. I've, I've, I've seen this movie so many times and it sounds really good and I think I should watch it. All right. So we move on to 2014's unbroken which was uh, written by them only. They didn't direct or produce or anything, and none of us have seen it, along with this, with the Bridge of Spies from 2015. Also, none of us have seen, written by them, not produced or directed. And yeah. we move on to now, yes. unless somebody Wait, wants to talk about them. I just wanted to mention, Bridge of Spies, it's such a shame that I didn't have time to watch it. I uh, just got back from a trip, and this is so highly regarded uh, it's one of their films along with uh, 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 No Country for Old Men that everyone says this is like <laughs> their big one. And uh, I don't know. I, I really looked forward to watching this one and just didn't get around to it before the show. Pretty much the same thing on my end, too. I'd heard such good things about it. I planned on seeing it, but I just ran out of time. Even though they just wrote it, it's yeah, gotten a lot of good press for sure. Yeah. And then we come to this year's Hail Caesar, which has gotten more mixed reviews. And uh, despite the fact that it got mixed reviews, I was super excited to watch this one. Uh, this is a tribute to 1950s early Golden Age Hollywood. Uh, it's It was marketed very differently from what the actual product was. It was marketed almost as being just a pure mystery story about this sword and sandals Christianity epic. And the main character gets kidnapped in the middle of production. And that's not exactly what we got. I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys thought of it. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I, it, it's definitely not going to be one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. Uh, I liked a lot of the cameos. I thought some of the scenes dragged on a little too long. Um, and you know, like like the the musical acts, you know, um, the water scene and all that kind of stuff. You know, I just I was like, I, I felt like you know if they'd cut some of those in half, the pacing wouldn't have suffered as much because it couldn't really decide what it wanted to be. It seemed. 
But I think that was the point is that it was blending all these different, again, this is what I was talking about earlier and they really took it to a, a whole nother place here because like inside Lewin Davis or um, a serious man, those were straight ahead, no frills kind of movies. This was just all out Coen brothers where they're taking, um, you know, several different things and putting them into blender and creating something different. And I thought those scenes were necessary because it kind of, it was their love song to the old, you know, musicals or, you know, the old uh, water pictures or the old um, Ifalutin pinky up in the air kind of period pieces. Back, back, yeah, back in the days when the studios ran Hollywood. And in the process, they managed to skewer not only Hollywood, but they managed to take shots at Judaism, Christianity, Mm -hmm. uh, communism, capitalism. Like, this is another one where I think that it'll be more appreciated by people who watch it more than one time. Because you look at it and you say, huh, all the moments in that movie were great. But when you look at the whole picture, there wasn't much of a story. And I would kind of disagree with that assessment. I felt like it was meandering quite a bit, so I, I definitely think it would probably do for another rewatch. Uh, what's crazy about this is most of the most out there stuff is stuff that was drawn right from Hollywood history. The whole uh, plot with yep. uh, Scarlett Johansson's uh, character uh, having a single mother pregnancy and having to adopt her own baby – not only did that happen, but the real life Eddie Mannix, it worked so well he did it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, direct references. Uh, Channing Tatum is basically playing Gene Kelly, this version of Gene Kelly, who was actually the communist that everyone thought was in the film industry in the 1950s. Which, incidentally, um, Channing Tatum is so multifaceted that I, I didn't even realize until I saw the dance number. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, seeing Alden Ehrenreich uh, playing his version of Roy Rogers or Gene Autry oh, makes so me, he is a scene stealer and I'm looking forward to seeing him play young Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. He was so good in this movie. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you just got all of these things that are pretty much direct. Pull, yeah. You've got uh, Veronica Osorio playing basically Carmen Miranda. They've yeah. changed all of the names except Addie Mannix, but uh, made it so obvious who these people are. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much one of the things that we complain about the most in movies is all the characters are one-dimensional, but somehow the Coen brothers managed that to, managed to make that endearing almost. Well, and I almost think you could take this as a – they talk about Hail Caesar, a story of faith. And this is really a story about Eddie Mannix's faith, not necessarily in God, but his faith in Hollywood and the studio. And the whole main conflict in the movie is, is he going to go with the devil who tempts him three times in the Red Room, the uh, guy from the airlines? Or is he going to do his job for the studio? And by the end, he makes the choice to stick with Hollywood, stick with the job that's difficult, that puts a strain on his family life, uh, gives him so much stress that he doesn't have time for any sins greater than sneaking a cigarette. <laughs> um, I, this movie just I think gets, you're good. You don't have to come here so much. <laughs> yeah, he, he goes every day to church, but 
it isn't really the Catholic Church where he holds his main allegiance. He's praying to the God of movies and his real uh, devotion is to the studio. Can't, can't believe Joel didn't laugh when you said movies. I, I muted myself. <laughs> <laughs> movies. Movies. Well, now that we've talked about it, Scott, have you seen this one? I uh, I, I like turtles. <laughs> well said, sir. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> and once again, George Clooney <laughs> turns in a great, great performance as a uh, uh, kind of a bumbling. Well, the a thing that dimwit. yeah, and the thing that got me is that last sequence where Brolin smacks him around, and the way his character shifted because he's like he's smacking the communism out of him. And he just that look in his face and his reaction to it as he's walking out the door, I I legitimately felt bad for him. <laughs> uh, the other thing I loved is that uh, Scarlett Johansson is playing one of the biggest subtle religious re- references in the whole film. She is a character who has a name that can be reassembled into uh, Mary with a name that includes Anne. Uh, the mother Mary's actual mother was St. Anne, and she marries a dude named Joseph by the end of it. She, she has a baby, who, an immaculate yeah, conception. Has, has not a baby with father. no father. Right, yep. yeah. I was going to say, who, who is not the father of the baby, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there were a lot of layers going on in this, and I think a lot of people just watched it once and were just like, okay, uh, I, I don't know what just happened, so I think it kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, they kind of marketed it as a as a comedy mystery kind of thing. Almost, I mean, they they almost marketed it like it was a comedy like of error. Yeah, like like a, like a a Woody Allen Christopher Guest type movie is how they how, how they made the trailers look. Yeah, and I thought uh, Scarlett Johansson was going to be investigating the mystery of the disappearance of the lead. Yeah, like what I mean, the marketing and the trailers that were done for this movie were just were just basically. Did a disservice. Yeah, did a very very big disservice. Exactly. Because I had no idea what to. I had no knowledge of what the movie was about at all. Me either. I just walked into it blind and just went with it. I just knew that there was a lot of uh, a lot of bad reviews for it going into it. That's all I knew. So, hmm. oh, plus I didn't, I didn't hate it. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a lot better than what people are saying. Yes. And it's got Clancy motherfucking Brown in it. So right. <laughs> when I realized that was him at one point, I was, I was like, hey, I know that guy. I was like, all right. It's Mr. Krabs. <laughs> it's C.P. <laughs> Brown. What? That brings <laughs> us to the end oh, of our Cone Brothers okay. show. Guys, we did it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like to thank uh, Scott the Pool Boy for showing up for uh, this week of September. <laughs> It's Somebody been real. Know he was here. Yeah. <laughs> I I I I tried to uh, you know Show contribute up. without <laughs> making you guys too uncomfortable. I I don't know if you know this, but some of the movies I was reading from IMDb. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> you, you covered it well. Yeah. Okay. Busted. Okay. I thought so. I wasn't sure, but I thought. Oh so. no! You're just saying that now. <laughs> if you want to hear not... more, Scott, you can always check out his show, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, which uh, I 
I personally enjoy all of the explorations into the darker corners of the interwebs. Indeed. I'm uh, I'm about to upload a show here in the next few days. It's been a little bit since I put up a show, but I'm making up for it because I have a uh like literally three hour long show that I'm going to have to split up into two parts because Talkshoe won't let me upload a three hour long show. So <laughs> strap in. And strap on. <laughs> in the strapper. strapper. <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to hear more from us, you can always check out our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, TalkShoe, and Google Podcasts. All the usual suspects. And you can always read that also Stitcher. You can also reach us by calling 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or you can call 303-351-10-something-something. I just forgot my own phone number. (laughs) Next week, we will definitely be having a show. It is up in the air right now uh, who the guest host and, and what the topic will be, but um, we will know by the time this airs, and Mike will insert at this point right now. <laughs> Stop making that noise. That's totally making it into the show. It Next is a week on the show, show we're going to have. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's our topic, the Hypnotoad. <laughs> oh, I oh, have no oh, toad. Oh, I have no toad. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in again this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. That's a lot of nuts.